0: Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson here on a Tuesday afternoon. Gentlemen, we were over at football on Monday. Does it did it did it kind of feel like this is how it felt for me? I'm gonna explain, I'm gonna project a little bit. It felt like it was a first day of school. Everybody was kind of up there milling about, talking to people that they haven't seen a little bit during summer vacation. I know you guys were at Big Ten media days probably much of the same group but that's sort of what it felt like for me when i was standing up there in the uh the north end zone concourse is that what we want to call it
1: yeah did you have your uh, outfit laid out the night before did you take a picture with your mom
0: no i didn't i could <laughs> I, I really should have done one of those first day of school photos and slapped it on facebook and gotten a bunch of likes for it but
1: it oh, would have uh, killed
2: that would have killed I, yeah
0: i'll save it for 2022 at this point
1: did
2: you, yeah, practice, a, did you practice getting up early a couple nights before?
0: No, I didn't. I was actually going to try to go work out before I went to uh, to football, and I failed to do that. Um, so I, I actually, you know, failed in a lot of regards as it, as it comes down to the first day.
1: It felt like I d- it, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say it felt like guys had fresh haircuts. That's all I was going to say. So what were you going to say, Bronson? It's more important than that
2: no i everybody was dressed up a little bit everybody was uh extra chatty
0: that because it's one of the four times a year i'll wear a polo and not just like a t-shirt
2: <laughs> i i it was noted that you were wearing a polo I'll, <laughs> I'll put it that way i my actually my my inner monologue was hey look at married guy wearing a polo to work now i
0: take enough crap for my wife anytime i'm like wearing khaki shorts or uh you know like golf shorts or a polo and it's like 4 30 in the afternoon she gets home from work and she's like oh did you have to go somewhere today did, was there something going on like it's like no i i own these clothes i should wear them sometime <laughs> apparently anytime i'm not wearing a shirt and a basketball shorts like people are just alarmed
2: if you would have <laughs> not been wearing a hat and done your hair i would have wondered if something was up <laughs>
0: As you can see in this Zoom, which our listeners cannot see, this is as done as my hair gets. Widow th- peak and slightly off to the side.
1: <clears throat> I think Keith Mann should send out. Um, like, remember in like high school and junior high when you would get your uh, your class schedule like sent into the mail? You it would arrive to your house like a week or two before, where it'd have the like what room you had to go to and all that stuff. I think he should do, like, a hard copy, like, practice schedule so we can get excited like that. Yeah, I don't mind that. That'd be all right.
0: I wouldn't mind if we also got one of those, uh, you know, in elementary school, your your whole class would get a photo. Every person's individual shot. Like, they just did that for the media each year. So you had, like, one that you could just go through. (laughs) And you could see the changes of the media from, for me, basically 2009 until – you know, 2021. You can see who's in there, who's not, who let themselves go a little bit. Well, that who's sometimes
2: clean shaven. Who never is. That that's what the NSAA pass is because they keep using the same photos from like they, the the photo they use of me is from 2005.
0: Yeah, I think I uh, I pointed that out to
2: someone once,
0: and they like they they caught a sideways glance of you, and it almost looks like you're on the like. Did you use that
2: as your golf
0: press pass or something?
2: Yeah, I I use that picture for everything because it's easily Googleable, and uh, it's been a lot of hard living since two thousand five. Put it uh, that yeah. way. Yeah, mine was from my first ever
0: experience at then uh, Jacobs Field. So it was uh, no, nah, it might have been Progressive Field at that point. It was two thousand nine. I I had no beard, looked very fresh faced, ready to take on the world. Yeah, less cynical at that time.
2: I'll tweet the picture with. Uh, when we tweet the podcast link out, <laughs> with no context.
0: Nice, I like that. I like that.
2: Speaking of hard living, the last <laughs> since two thousand five. away. Should we talk some fall camp? We can talk some fall camp. What? Uh, I, can I throw this out there as
0: we start things? Is, is it going to be jarring for you guys on days we have the defense and then days we have the offense? that it's like the same team (laughs) because it's two very different points um, on the, on the timeline for both of those units. I mean, the, the defense feels very put together at this point, you know, who they are. They're working on things to, to go from, you know, potentially good to great. Whereas the offense is just hoping to go uh, and, and do something somewhat achievable.
1: Yeah, maybe. I think I don't think they see it that way. Um, I think they're, I think they're being smart and sort of. Uh, I don't know. They're not. They're not saying anything too like dramatic. This this was in Indianapolis. I noticed this. There's no bold predictions or anything like that. When they get asked about being picked like fifth in the West, they're like, "Yeah, that's what we've earned so far. We got to prove it." I feel like they've taken. Uh, there's been a smarter approach in some of the interviews to sort of uh, keeping uh, keeping the hype train in check. Not that the fan base is going to go on that train right now, but I but I I I like the approach that they're taking in a lot of the interviews. But I get what you're saying, though. I mean, yesterday we had the defensive guys, and uh, you know, there's there definitely is like when you hear Eric Chenander talk about having these super seniors and you're just, you're throwing, uh, you know, tougher equations at them than you normally would this early in fall camp. You can tell he's really appreciating that he has guys, uh, who, you know, they can bounce things off of and they can respond to them really quick. Cause they've just been around the game so long. I mean, half of the defense are like 22, 20 to 24 year olds. So it, it's a pretty good setup for him.
2: Yeah, it is. It's, uh, I haven't been there yet for an offensive day. I missed the, the opening uh, press conference the other uh, last week. But it, it's, it's notable, I guess. But, I mean, it, at the same time, it's like there's this whole pool of guys who haven't really contributed anything at Nebraska who are going to be asked to contribute a lot this year that we haven't talked too much like we're aware of omar manning being out there because he's in every hype video that nebraska puts out we also know that gabe Irvin, marquis step a lot of these guys are also uh on the roster and practicing but i mean it, it feels like we're getting a lot of the we're getting like the offensive version of the defensive guys it's like a lot of adrian martinez I feel like I know everything there is to know about Austin Allen at this point, point. and you know <laughs> you, you know he likes McDonald's. I, I, I I've heard that. I've I've heard something about that. Um, even though he's he's shilling for Ronza, so he's got to be careful there. Um,
0: no man should have to pick just one fast food place, bro.
2: Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition, and then you also have this other group that's probably as equally important to the offense and the defense that everybody's trying to wrap their arms around and figure out what it looks like with special teams, because that to me, that to me is this almost the story of fall camp in some ways, because they've got to get that figured out. And, you know, I I think that's the group that's going to take the longest to kind of sort through all the pieces and figure out who you're, your, your your kickoff specialist is who your punter is going to be who the heck your your coverage guys are going to be and I, I think that's going to be so huge for as many of these games I think are again back in in coin flip territory for Nebraska
0: yeah I um I do feel like a, sometimes with the offense especially it's a lot of who the hell are these guys because you know If if like I say that because in week one or week zero, because for some reason it has to be called week zero, uh if if Marvin Scott the third is a starting running back, I wouldn't be shocked. At the same time, I don't know who he is. Like I other than like following his recruiting process, he had such a non impact last season, and then he had a big spring game, and then you think about it, like running back is gonna be pretty uh important to the whole thing here or at least they want it to be they want one guy they don't want a committee and it's just sort of weird that we're sitting here on august 3rd and we really have no idea who the primary running back is going to be i think they'd like it to be marquis step but we don't know if he's healthy i don't know if i really take scott frost on his word as to how close he is uh or if he's you know if he's actually out there full go at practice that would be a good thing but it's just it's difficult to know Uh, what's going to happen at, at a running back spot where you really, you know, Gabe Urban has been here for six months um, or actually now eight months. Uh, And then you've got Seveon Morrison didn't play last year. Ramir Johnson can't find the field. Jaques Gant was a on Like, it's just, you, you go through this and you can do this at wide receiver too. And it's just, it's crazy to think of how few skill position players we even know who they are. And it's, it's, such an important part of, of nebraska trying to to solve what has ailed them over the last couple of years and it's kind of fascinating in that regard like it, essentially it you're when we're asked to project records we're asked to, to project what we think nebraska is going to do we're relying on just assuming that some of these guys have to to break out and um it'll be interesting to figure out who those guys are as we go along
1: Yeah, I mean, the first drive of the game against Illinois on offense, about three-fourths of the guys who are going to touch the football have either barely touched it or never touched it in a Husker uniform in a game. And that's sort of a a different spot to be in. Even with teams we've been unsure about in the past, it felt like there was more um, guys who had played the year before at certain spots, um than i feel like there is this year and like you're talking about it running back but even wide receivers you go through i mean like will nixon could be a guy who pops up and is valuable and he hasn't you know been in a husker uniform yet uh omar manning could be out there right away oliver martin got some at action last year but it was limited um you know two rays new it's just that's what is interesting is they sort of seem like they've got a some depth put together names wise but yet we don't really know what they're made of um until that game and then you know that o-line is is uh, sort of this weird combination of young slash old you don't know how to this they're like all young on paper but most of them are at least third year guys so you don't know quite where to classify them
0: yeah i um I think the offensive line weird as it sounds is the one thing I feel relatively confident in uh, moving on past Adrian. And it's, it's still the same kind of deal. Like I I have a weird amount of confidence in Turner Corcoran with all of his one career start uh, that I, I don't know if it's just based off of his recruiting history or why, but I just, I feel like there'll be some some level of drop off from Brendan Hymus, but I don't know that I think that it'll be that noticeable from left tackle. And I just, I, I feel relatively confident that this offensive line will at least give them the opportunity to move the ball. It's just the skill position players where I come up a little short brunch. You talked about special teams and I feel like I kind of put it to the side more than I should, but other than, than Culp, I mean, it does feel like, we don't know a whole lot else of what's going to happen there. I mean, we don't know who the returners necessarily are going to be. I assume Daniel Cherney will be the punter, but as Colt was joking in the spring, he's had to learn the entire game of football because he really didn't know anything when he got here. What kind of intrigues you with the specialists? Uh,
2: well, I mean, I, I as boring as it is, I mean, the probably one of the more – most important position battles of the fall is who's going to win that kickoff job. Um, you know, Scott Frost talked about it last week and said simply, I mean, there, there's no kickoff returns if you kick it through the end zone and that's been Nebraska's issue. The last few seasons as they just have not had a kicker who can consistently get the ball through the back of the end zone when they need it to. And and what's that, re- what that has resulted in are Bad directional kicks, um, bad kickoff returns at inopportune times. And right now, I mean, you've got Kellen Meyer, um, the, the walk-on on Ord. They added a couple guys uh, in the summer to kind of add competition to that group as well. You had some punters take reps there last year. So that job's wide open, and I think they want to make sure they get that nailed down to at least have the option to kick it through the back of the end zone. That's, it seems so simple but it's been so tough for Nebraska and that's where you lose the hidden yards. You give up big returns and it just looks really, really bad. I don't know that the punter job is necessarily settled at this point. Mike Dawson said yesterday that that's a job that they're probably going to carry out for a couple more weeks as they give guys opportunities to kick in pressure situations. The the return portion of it, he said they're working three different groups of guys right now, kind of tiers, I guess, where the first tier are guys who have been at Nebraska for a while and have the experience. Second tier are guys who have been at Nebraska but are learning. Third tier are new guys who are showing up and, and trying to get in the mix, and they're jumbling all those guys together and seeing who comes out there. That That's the other piece of special teams that's been really bad, and it's not an issue of talent, I don't think. I just don't know that the decision-making has been very good at all about when to bring it out, when to take the fair catch. It just seems like there's a lot of self-doubt there, and it ends up with a guy kind of hokey-pokey in it and getting tackled at the fifteen. That's what it's all about. So yeah. I think that's kind of where the, the focus is. And also, I think the one area where they should be better is the coverage units. You have so much more depth on defense of those not the non-super senior guys, the, the Garrett Snodgrass types, the Isaac Giffords, the Noah Pola Gates, those guys that can fill out those special teams coverage groups and have some experience and are willing to do it. And I think when you have those types of things and guys are bought in, you can be better. I think they have more talent there and, and more depth to be able to, to be better on coverage, but you would have probably said that last year, too, and it didn't really uh, match up with things there.
0: I was a little concerned that you were going to get yourself turned around with that hokey-pokey joke, but uh, you did well with it.
2: I landed it. I was circling the runway for a while. just kind of looking out the window, looking down at the tarmac. Is that where I want to land it? I got it in there. So, BC,
0: we, we've talked a lot about these – super seniors or you know guys that have experience with this defense that have played quite a bit one player it seemed like mike dawson and i don't, I don't know maybe you weren't over the, with mike dawson maybe it was brunt so whichever one of you wants to jump in on this but I, I know you've talked about him before so i started with you one guy it seems like is going to help this defense or at the very least special teams this team we can just say it that way in 2021 is isaac gifford and i know that you bc have mentioned him before it's, Hey, don't forget about this guy. Like, sure. That secondary's got experience, but there's some young guys they like. What is it about Isaac Gifford? And, and, you know, he's probably moved up to the outside linebacker. He's a bit in that tweener role. What is it about him that, that has him already kind of
1: knocking on the door and has coaches talking about him? All right. I think, I think he's got a lot of the same traits. His brother Luke did, frankly, and Luke was a really good player. He just picks things up really fast. Um, he's got that body type where you can move him all over the uh, all over the place as a versatile chess piece and i i mean it last year he he wasn't out there all the time but he popped up in niche roles as a first year guy after a covid offseason and you could tell that there was already some trust with him and um, that doesn't mean other guys aren't going to emerge and your miles farmers and your no pull gates aren't going to be a big part of it. Um, but I, I think for whatever reason, maybe it's because I think sometimes local guys actually gets actually swept to the side sometimes in the hype conversations. And uh, he, I mean, he played as much as any of those guys and he's, he's going to be on all four special teams units and him and Javen Wright, who they also really like are, they're the JoJo Juniors, you know. They're the guys who – JoJo
0: Juniors.
1: Yeah, they're, they're the guys who can uh, can kind of learn on the job this year, uh, maybe get a few snaps for JoJo's not playing 85 snaps a game and maybe give a few of those to, to Gifford or, or Wright. Um, so I, I just think he's going to be a guy who plays a whole lot of football at Nebraska. His name was interesting yesterday. And Feldarius Payne continues to be a wild card that I uh, would buy stock in. Do you think this comparison is fair with Feldarius Payne? I don't know if it's his stature or whatever, but he's got a little bit of an Eric Martin vibe to Um, me—sort of that, you know, kind of compact kind of guy who can get to the maybe get to the quarterback in in different unconventional sort of ways. He's bigger um, than Martin though, right? Like he's taller. They're, well, he's like six, he's listed six, three. I looked it up the other day. Eric was six, two. Um, I think that's a
0: generous six, two. For you're Eric.
1: probably, you're probably right. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's because Eric Martin was a guy who, you know, you looked at him and you thought, yeah, can he really be a pass rusher and get to the quarterback with his size? And by the end of his career, he could, he was actually pretty good at that. Um, and I, I, I just think Payne with the full off season um, and what Mike Dawson was saying about him yesterday, how, uh, you know, he puts in the work. And I think he's really studied the film from last year about things that kept him from getting to the QB. I think he's going to be a, a key part of them
2: trying to bring that sack total up. Well, just having like an actual off season will be huge for him. Like he had probably like the weirdest few months out of anybody on that roster last year with the shoulder issues. And then what was it? He got COVID and then he lost like a ton of weight. So then they had to move, like they basically were forced to move positions with yeah. him because he couldn't keep the weight on or something.
1: He was lifting as much as me and that's, I'm not doing that in like the joking way, like Whoa. I lift a lot. No, yeah, I'm, doing in it, joking way. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it in the way of like how much I actually lift, which is embarrassing. And that's, like, how much he was lifting while he was com- recovering from the illness.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it, you get a full year of – full offseason for him, the full year last year of kind of getting used to the Big Ten. I think that's a, a decent recipe um, for, for him to do something. He seems yeah. confident. Like, it, I, I think he's got a good – I feel like he has a good just kind of – view of things i think that helps guys sometimes feels like there's been a lot of nick henrich buzz too from the staff i
1: think Um, there could be i mean this is sort of when you would expect a guy like nick henrich to sort of come into his
0: own he's into his third season now with the program he played well at the end of last year i I feel like nebraska's linebackers are in such great shape um, with where these guys are coming from like this is when you would expect a nick henrich and luke reimer garrett nelson i mean they all played well uh in spurts last year reimer right off the bat and he's i wrote about him for the the website on tuesday but um you know he's kind of talking about how it's less so what he can do physically at this point it's more so he has to do the legwork during the week to put himself in the right position on saturdays because he knows physically fast he needs to be mentally fast so that way he can be there even sooner and I just think there's a lot of maturity that's coming out of that group. And I, I, it stems from they're in their third year. These guys nominally should be juniors. I mean, they're, they are juniors, essentially. It's just that they're going to have three years left to play. I mean, this is a, it's a good situation for Nebraska's middle of their defense. I really feel that way.
1: Isn't the Northwestern game last year the perfect, like, snapshot of the test a young middle linebacker like Reimer faces? Because if you think about that game, he was all over the field. You, everybody, you know, on social media is like, look at this guy. I mean, he he causes a sack fumble and he's just making double digit tackles. And yet there's that one play on the first drive, which I think is what he's getting to in the story that you wrote sort of where he got himself a little out of position, a couple feet out of position. And what is supposed to be a four yard play turns into like a 45 yard touchdown. There were other guys who messed up on that play. But that just reminds of, like, when Barrett Rude is watching film on his guys and when a layperson like us is watching it, there's that difference of, like, you know, being a guy who's a playmaker, but also are you doing your job right 10 out of 10 times or only 9 out of 10 times? Because if you miss on 1 out of 10 at middle backer, it's, it's a big problem.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, that's a that's a great point. And um, I think in that game, too – it was it was Brunce's boy Rainy, right at tight end. Rain, John Rain. Well, we'll call. Uh, it, we'll we'll go all Rex Hudler and add the Y for the nickname. But, um, you know, Garrett Nelson had a moment in that game where he was just completely bit hard on the play fake, and and he talked about having to to rein in like his desire to see ball, chase ball, kill ball. He has to rein that in, like he. You know, Mm -hmm. Garrett Nelson is a man of many things. He's never struck me as someone that would be as introspective as he is. And yet I was there for 13 minutes yesterday and he was going deep in all the different ways that he had focused himself in his football career on needing to be physically so much bigger, faster, stronger, and how he had sort of not processed how he needed to be smarter, how there was so much more to the mental aspect. He talked a lot about spending time with a sports psychologist And just learning to expand his mind. And that's what he wanted to do in this offseason. Because he felt like he was in a good spot at the end of last year. He felt like he had a good spring. He feels like at 262 pounds, he's in the best possible shape he could be in. And he just wanted to go forward uh, from the mental side of things. I just think they're in such a unique spot with a lot of these guys. It's kind of fun to watch.
2: What do you guys consider an appropriate level of expectation for this defense? I think they need to be a
1: top 25 defense nationally. I think because of all the guys they have back and um, sort of the expectations I think they have for themselves and how they finished last year, especially on third down defense, where they went basically from one of the, the worst third down defense in the country the first half of the year to one of the top five the second half. I, I think it's that moment where you got to make that push into being a a top unit, uh, top-tier unit nationally. And I think a big part of that, too, is being opportunistic and being a defense that doesn't just get stops, but changes the game with plays like Deontay Williams made against Penn State. Like, that's the group they've got to be. I feel like if Nebraska's going to make that jump and have that season where it's special, it's going to be in part because you have a defense Remember Bo Pelini's 3 defense when he was the D coordinator and they were just like ball hawks and they took the football away like three times a game? I feel like it's going to be some season like that that's going to break this team out, you know, where the defense is just scoring touchdowns themselves on occasion, you know, stuff like that. And I
2: want to, I think they want, they think they can do that. Yeah, it it's I, I think the turnover piece of it and kind of the the game changing type plays I think are probably almost more important than you know whatever the the ranking is you know top 20 I mean if right. you're a top 40 defense but you're making a lot of you know picking balls off and, and forcing fumbles and and you know scoring the occasional touchdown I feel like that would that that's where you really kind of help out an offense that frankly needs the help. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I I think those are the kinds of plays. I think I'll be watching a little bit more closely, but I agree. I mean, I think this is a defense that has the potential to be much better against the run than they have been or continue that upward trend that they've been on the last few years. And I mean, those, those are the two big things for me are, are the run defense portion of it. And then can you make the types of plays that, you know, help you win a a one score game or, you know, really change momentum because it seems like for years Nebraska has just been on the wrong end of those. Yeah, that's a good
1: point. I mean, they could rank like 42nd in total defense and that itself doesn't mean a whole lot, but if you're, let's say you're a top 25 red zone defense and you're taking the football away and you give up some yards between the twenties or whatever, that that can be a great defense too that's what I would add red zone defense in there I mean both sides of the ball we could talk red zone probably for a whole podcast but and maybe we should because that's I mean that's the area when you're a team like Nebraska trying to get over that hill um, you got to win win in that area and they and they haven't often enough although I do think their numbers defensively I'll have to look them up they were much better last year I believe in that area
0: we're going we're gonna to shift gears here in a second, but I want to ask this question just real, you know, blanket-like right here at the beginning. You, obviously, Big Ten media days. We've had a couple of press conferences now. Coming off of this off season, coming off of the spring a little bit, a lot of talk of where this team sort of finds itself. A couple of days in, do you feel better about things as we head towards Illinois? Do you feel worse or about the same?
2: I think for me, I'm 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 probably about the same. Um,
0: and where were you at before, kind of coming in?
2: Record wise?
0: Yeah. Uh, I was six and six, seven and five jumble.
2: Six and a half wins would be a pretty good over under for or a tough one for me. That that's kind of where I'm at right now. Still, I I again, it it feels like a little bit like Groundhog Day where you're like, okay, if they can just do X, Y, and Z, yeah. They might get to nine or, you know, have that kind of a year. But I, I'm still – it's still talking season, and I'm still uh, – They need to show you something? They got to they gotta show me something. I'm tired of hearing people talk.
0: Well, you'll get to see them tomorrow morning when you get your first glimpse of practice. Will that – could they show you anything in those first 30 minutes?
2: Uh, we, we, we're going to get a special teams period right out of the gate. <laughs> so –
0: well, you've been talking about special teams is a big, big question mark. So. It's, it's,
2: it's good, probably just going to be a lot of guys fitting yeah. coverage. I'm
0: expecting is, you to bring your clipboard and be writing a lot of notes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. BC? Um, I, yeah, I'm with Brunson. I don't
1: think I've changed my thought at all. Um, I And I think his over-under is probably fair for now. Um, it's sort of one of those where – well, the first topic we were talking about right off the start with this podcast about just the unknowns, there's just so many of them offensively that you think, like, you can convince yourself that they could be pretty good on that side of the ball, and they very well might be, but you just want to see them go play Illinois and see what this thing looks like a little bit. And I, I, I think it's really that game that's going to shape, <laughs> it's going to shape, you know, like, Everything about all of a sudden, if they win it and they look pretty good, you'll hear a lot of talk like they could win eight or nine, you know, like you'll sit those that'll suddenly be in people's heads. And uh, if it's the other end, you know, it's going to be it's going to be rough right off the bat. So uh, I will say I've never been in reach since I've been on the Husker 24 seven staff, I haven't been as fired up for like a first game. As like I am for this one, like I'm really like fascinated by what Nebraska looks like, and I think their defense should travel well and be uh, portable. And I actually think is made they're maybe done a favor by the fact that their worst performance of the year last year was against Illinois, where they just look like trash. And you can tell guys bring it up still; it it's, it sticks in their craw how uh, disjointed they were that game and I, I think maybe that's an advantage psychologically that they didn't play well against them last year and you sort of have that sort of sticking it with them as they go
2: through this camp I, I didn't text you guys but I went a couple of weeks ago went back and watched that Illinois Nebraska game from last year you um, always text us though I know I didn't, <laughs> didn't. do it
0: at like twelve thirty in the morning somehow we're both up I don't know why and then we're getting updates about who's getting pushed around or what this or normally they're older than just a year ago, though. It was you're, you, you love to live in the end of the Bo Pelini era, whether it's the Iowa game, I think sometimes the Michigan State 2012, anything Northwestern for you is big. You're, yeah. you're, a big, uh, you're a big rewatcher. I,
2: I, I would advise not rewatching that Illinois Nebraska game from last year. <laughs> that, that, that is not good, not good at all.
0: You should post on the uh, the message board. Just do an article that you your thoughts from rewatching that game and the first one. It could be a one bullet point. Wolf, burn the tapes. <laughs> yeah, Wolf would work too. To, to kind do you of think? answer my own question, I feel like the arrow for me is pointing up a little bit. And I was at six and six, and maybe seven and five, or who knows if they they actually put it together eight and four. It seems conceivable. Um, I think part of it is that they had a relatively quiet for Nebraska off season. There wasn't any legal troubles. There weren't any big injuries. There weren't, you know, they managed to navigate the months in between the end of spring ball on May 2nd or May 1st uh, to the start of things here at the end of uh, July. With really no notable things, which that has not been the case for either this program under Scott Frost or Mike Riley, or Bo Pelini. normally something pops up during that stretch, or someone gets hurt, or what have you, so, um, I don't know, it feels like maybe Lady Luck's in their favor a little bit, and so we'll see if that carries over, but mm-hmm. I, I, I could also just be drinking the Kool-Aid from, from yesterday, but I was pretty impressed with the, the conversations I had with some of those linebackers, and, and I already liked where this defense was, and uh, I liked what I was hearing yesterday, so it could just be confirmation bias for me there. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, I'm going to figure out what BC has on his shirt. I've been trying to do that for the last 15 minutes. It just said undefeated. Um, it's it's a basketball.
1: Undefeated since 2008. And uh,
0: that's... A, okay, so it's a Seattle Sonics basketball shirt because they have not played in Seattle
1: mm-hmm.
0: since 2008. All right. I like it. I like it. Well, now everyone knows. Uh, they couldn't see it, but I was sitting here trying to figure out – because the colors of it are sort of Packers-ish. And then I was oh. like, is that like a, is that like a Notre – or not Notre Dame, a uh, North Dakota-like thing or like what – you never know if you. You you sometimes rep different hats or different shirts, and so I I felt like I needed to, to check that out. But
2: now that it's we fine. have that,
0: we can safely go into break, and when we come back we'll be talking about recruiting and basketball next on –
1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: All right, and we're back. Uh, you guys want to go basketball or recruiting first?
1: <clears throat> oh, give us, a- yeah, give us some recruiting.
0: All right, well, Nebraska has picked up a couple commits or picked up a couple in the month of July. Uh, They added Hayden Schwartz, a defensive lineman. This happened when I was gone. Uh, But this is a guy that came in for, let's see, committed when I was gone. He took his official visit when I was gone. Uh, You know, that's interesting. Hayden Schwartz, defensive lineman from Florida, uh, a guy that Nebraska has brought in that basically can play either nose tackle or defensive end. I think he's more likely a defensive end at the next level. Um, Someone that Michigan – and Northwestern we're also interested in. It looked like it was basically a big Ten battle, so I found that sort of interesting as it results, um, you know, with, with Hayden. But just through your classic Tony Tuioti, big defensive lineman. I mean, he's not all that different size-wise than some of these other guys that they have brought in uh, in recent years. You look at um, some of the linemen, you know, even just Ty Robinson. I mean, he's similar size to that. They just want these big, huge defensive linemen. So there's one. I think they'll take another one in this class. And then they got an offensive lineman in Valen Erickson or Valen Erickson out of Chicago. And six foot six, 280 is his listing on 24 7 sports. I think he's more likely an interior offensive lineman than he is a tackle. Uh, we'll see if it, it plays out that way. But Nebraska has brought in quite a few tackles lately. I think they needed a little bit more help in the interior. And Erickson is their first offensive line commit. They missed out on Jake Cullia, who they obviously really liked. He ended up committing to the Stanford Cardinal. And then, um, you know, we'll see who the second potential offensive lineman in this class could be. I mean, I'm thinking they're taking around 13 guys. That would be two more linemen, one on either side of the ball, and then two more defensive backs. Small class, they got nine committed. Uh, where are they at, Brunt's, team rankings-wise? Do you remember? Uh, let
2: me look for
0: you here. I haven't looked in the oh. last couple of days. I mean, it, it bounces around a little bit. Did you know that Penn State currently leads all programs right now? Just saw that. That is, uh, that is they have, different.
1: They have 24 commitments.
0: <laughs> yeah, everyone else is going small. James Franklin's thinking big. <laughs> Nebraska's
1: Nebraska. ranked 60th. Yeah. One spot ahead
0: of Iowa. They are no longer last in the Big Ten. How, how, many more,
2: that. How, many more, how many more spots do you, you think they actually have in those class? How many,
0: how many more spots? I, I was saying I think they'll be right around 13 total commitments. Okay. <clears throat> what do they need? Look at the Big Ten West here. Number eight, Purdue. Number nine, Illinois. Number 10, Wisconsin. Number 11, Minnesota. Maryland is 12. Nebraska is 13. Iowa is 14. That means the number one team in the Big Ten West, as far as recruiting goes, is Northwestern. This feels like an outlier class to me, gentlemen, for everyone.
1: Yeah. What? What's the key? I, I mean, as someone who covers it like you do, what in this sort of weird recruiting cycle where you can take only a limited amount of guys, and it's obviously shaping up that it's not going to be a top 25 group at this point, it doesn't seem. I mean, what? what do you think is the key in trying to navigate this weird – cycle that's a what I mean that's a very general question but what does Nebraska need to get out of this class even if people are going to look on the surface and say yeah that's not very good just because they'll go by the recruiting ranking
0: well I think the important thing is that they just need to not waste spots I mean if you're taking a guy make sure he fits some sort of need for you Uh, make sure it works out and then be open to everything I, I you know just like we saw some flips towards December last year when kids couldn't visit and they got an opportunity to watch some teams play before that December signing period. We could see that again. I mean, Nebraska is going to have plenty of visits that they can offer. They're going to continue relationships with guys that are committed elsewhere. They're going to be open to different things. They're not going to be too closed off on it. And then also it's worth remembering that Nebraska might play a little bit more in the transfer portal than they did in the last cycle where they took, I think three guys, four guys, you Tyreek Johnson uh and so if they take 13 commitments as I'm kind of guessing right now and that's just sort of a a guesstimate that's not a hard and fast number you know maybe they can take six different uh transfer portal guys I And mean, some of it just depends on how many super seniors come back and and trying to get that number under 85 but I I think that the the key is to just be flexible and I think Nebraska's doing that and they're not locking themselves in on guys that just are obvious that it's a long shot. And I think that's good. I think you look at what they've assembled in their nine commitments and you don't have to squint to see how these guys sort of fit mm-hmm. or what it is that Nebraska likes them. I mean, or why Nebraska likes them. I mean, the the lowest rated commit right now is Jake Applegate and all of us have seen him play. We're all pretty impressed by him. He's gonna come in as an outside linebacker. Chase Androff is probably the for me personally ranking the class, the guy that I'd have the lowest because he seems least like what they've done at tight end uh, recently. But I think they also want to make sure that they have some of those guys that are like a Jack Stoll that maybe you're pretty good at the inline blocking uh, in addition to what Thomas Fedoni and James Carney are, are hoping to do to spread things out with their speed and their length at the tight end spot. So, um, you know, I like this class as it sits. I mean, I like their nine commitments. They all sort of work for me. Um, and like I said, I, I just think that's how you want to do it. Like, if you avoid making any obvious reaches, you focus mm-hmm. on uh, trying to get ahead in 2023. I think the, the sidelines this fall are going to be full um, in terms of getting guys in from the 2023 class in the Midwest region. Iowa had – there was probably, what, five guys from Iowa, six guys from Iowa over the weekend that came in to visit Nebraska for Friday or Saturday's practice – Trudander is going to do some work there in 2023. Watch McBride feels like someone to kind of keep an eye on for that 2023 class right here in the Midwest. I just, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in what they haven't done, but I think it's okay to acknowledge, Hey, this class isn't going to look how we want. We're having to recruit with our hands tied behind our back, do the best we can move forward, try not to have 2023 get away from us and try to get a big jump on it. I mean, I just think that's the strategy. I don't think it's, smoke and mirrors I don't think they're trying to pull anything over anyone's eyes I don't think they you know have aspirations that this is going to be a top 25 class it's make do with what you have and move forward And I I look at what they brought in and I don't see any real reaches and I, I think that's good
1: they're done somewhat of a favor by the fact that I mean if you look at Nebraska in the trenches right now with their roster there's there's such a log jam of youth that it's not it's not a class where you have to, I mean, I don't know, do they need another old lineman? I mean, ha- at this point, um, they don't
0: have to um, some of it depends on if you look at that offensive line room, what does some of those guys realistically for Alex Kahn or Michael Lynn, you have Ethan Piper, uh, I guess Matt Sichterman potentially moves on, but like where are those spots going to open up for guys to get into play? So You know, Matt Anderson saw the writing on the wall. He left. He knew he wasn't going to play at Nebraska. He found somewhere else to go. I don't remember where he ended up, but. uh, Louisiana, I think. It was Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, and that's a a fine spot for him. But the, the point being is that you've got some of these younger offensive linemen. Like, they have to sort of determine where they are in the pecking order. Because here comes Henry Lutovsky. You know, like, here comes some of these guys like it's just just because you're next in line on the on the roster in terms of age and experience doesn't really mean anything so I I think that they need to make sure that they're backfilling they can't just look at it like okay well we've got a lot of young guys none of them are going to leave some of them are I mean there's going to be attrition for Nebraska in addition to graduation and some of that could come from that offensive line because guys are going to be able to figure out hey Ethan Piper's not giving up that spot Turner Corcoran's not giving up that spot where am I going to get this playing time at? So um, that's that's something to keep an eye on for sure. But I I think they'll take a second offensive lineman, but it's it's not the biggest need. You're absolutely correct in that regard. <clears throat> that's all I had to say about that. I just uh, want to see if Brun says anything he wants to throw in here. He's
1: he's just kind of he has a laid back. back.
0: He's just like staring at us like
1: he's, he's got a real laid back
2: posture. i'm
0: a little unnerved by it
2: i'm just (laughs) just just listening i I didn't know if we were going to segue to hoops
0: well i don't know if you were done with recruiting you have any other thoughts you want to throw anything in there
2: um i mean 23 is interesting right i mean you 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 mentioned some of the guys from iowa that were on campus last week um in addition you had you know tam tuyoti was back on campus again um you know as a 2023 guy that Maverick Noonan both those guys that I think Nebraska's got a really good shot at um I mean there's a chance that you could have a really good start to the the 23 class even better than they already have with Catula and Bramer you know around local guys um and local guys that have you know pretty good power five offers at this point so I mean what what's your sense I guess on kind of spinning it forward to 23 that work with the work they've already done especially in state it's just it's interesting because in 22 you have a a very well-earned narrative of nebraska not being able to get it done in state and then you turn around in 2023 and there's a chance that they're going to have it have a pretty good haul of in-state kids
0: yeah, no, I, I think that you can kind of look at that in-state group. You already have Ben Bramer, You already have Gunner and Gatula. Uh, you're looking to continue the alliteration train with, with um, Tui Uh Sam Sledge is out there as someone I would anticipate could get an offer. And then Maverick Noonan is, is going to be a big part of it too. And so I, I think that they could have a really nice crop right there with their in-state guys. And then if you go next door, Watts McBride, a guy they really like in the 2023 class. I'm gonna pull up here on our site and just see if there's some other notables uh, that already have offers from Iowa in 2023. I know there are, but I can't can't think of the names right off the top of my head. They got six offers out in the state of Iowa, which is actually the third most in the 2023
2: class. And Mosai just- Newsom's little brother, right? What was that Mosai Newsom's little brother?
0: Yep. Asa, Asa Newsom. He has an offer. Alex Moda from Marion, Iowa, has an offer. Andrew Depepe—I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but it felt fun to say, so I'm just going with it. From Pleasant Valley, Bettendorf, uh, he works out with uh, with JC Moreau, a guy that Nebraska has been in touch with a bunch. David Borchers, another offensive or well defensive lineman from Iowa, that works out with JC Moreau. Uh, Those two guys, Caden Proctor is a big one in Iowa. He's number nine player in the country. Nebraska offered him. He's a stud. Um, I don't know how much traction they actually have with him because he pretty much has offers from anyone who's anyone in college football, save for, does he have that Ohio state offer yet? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So, I mean, you, you name a team, he basically has the offer. Caden Proctor kind of like the uh, Xavier Wongfa this past year um, for Southeast Polk, really, really good he's going to be a tough pull out of Iowa, but all the rest of those kids, they have a fighting chance for sure. And uh, Missouri, they got five offers out already in 2023. So they're, they're working ahead. I mean, I, I think they feel like they can um, potentially, you know, bring some guys in. I haven't even, I haven't written about this yet. I meant to throw it into kind of a note section, but Shan Davian Bradley, a six foot five, 210 pound. He's listed as defensive lineman Nebraska season as an outside linebacker. Uh, from Platt County and Platt City, Missouri, was out this last week uh, visiting campus and spending time with them. So they're, they're certainly working. There's no question about it. And um, 2023, we'll see what else they have going on. But uh, um, I, I think it'll be a much better class for Nebraska, and they're certainly going to be better positioned because we will have those kids on campus. All right, we can do some hoops, though. BC and I hit on quite a bit last week. So I'm going to let, uh, I'm going to let Brunce kind of run this one a little bit here, but BC hadn't talked with Verge yet, right? Alonzo Verge Jr. You got your first opportunity to do it last Tuesday. How was that?
1: Uh, confident guy, uh, <laughs> as you'd expect. I mean, he, he padded this.
0: Confident or confident?
1: Confident. Confident. Okay. Yeah. But
0: um, also probably competent.
1: Well, yeah, you hope so. Um He, I mean, he padded the stats pretty well, Arizona state. Um, it was sort of interesting, um, hearing his decision process of like, he, he was worked out by like some, you know, as a possibility, as a guy who could go to the G league and stuff like that. And, uh, he, he thought on it and he thought my best options to go one more year, of college ball and, and show my game. And, um, he's definitely made a big impression on people. Um, I think he's impressed the most with his passing from what you hear from the other guys. Um, Obviously he, he has some scoring background, but that's the thing that multiple guys said is he really uh, caught their eye with how he slashes to the hoop and feeds, feeds other guys. So um, there's an interesting dogfight there for uh, there's going to be for who fits where and what their exact role is. And, you know, you got a guy like him coming in as Delanto Banton's leaving. They're different types of players. And um, Kobe Webster is a guy who, you know, at that guard spot, uh, I think is going to be important still as a guy who's holding things together. Uh, the other guy, though, that everybody says can shoot at lights out is C.J. Wilcher, and um, he thinks he's the best shooter on the team. Latman may have something to say about that. A few other guys like Kobe Webster would, but um, Welchers really impressed people with how he shoots it behind the arc.
2: In in your, I guess, two sessions around the, uh, especially the newcomers, I guess, who's the guy that you left that conversation at least moderately intrigued by? I, I have an answer. I was only there for the first First uh, go around, but who was the guy where you're like, okay, I'm a, based on what the the guy himself said, but also what his teammates said about him. Who stand? Who kind of left you, I guess, uh, intrigued? I feel like I'm going to steal your answer. Yes, do it. Uh, I was going
1: to say, uh, I'll say and Bach. Is that what you're going to say?
2: <laughs> yes.
1: All right. Cool, say, no! <laughs> say
2: why. You say why. He. I think he's – everything that I've talked to about him with national analysts who have seen him play and having seen him play, he he just seems like he's perfect for Fred Hoiberg's offense because he was playing point guard, point forward for his high school team. He can bomb it from the outside. I think he's got like – he, he just kind of strikes me as one of those guys that – it is like comfortable in his skin because he kind of like he, he laughs at the goggle stuff and whatever but he just kind of carries himself with a little bit of quiet confidence and i like that and i don't know whenever you get you know a, a six foot ten kid that can shoot it from the outside and also create a little bit i'm at least moderate i'm at least moderately intrigued yeah and he has better posture
1: now that was yeah yeah, he was. Wasn't he listening at six, nine? And he said I had this problem, too, as a kid. So I I uh, have sympathy, sort of a little curve, I think, curve back a little bit. Yeah. And uh, he's worked hard on that and improved his core strength. And he was, I think, a six, nine listing for a long time. And now he's more like six, ten and a half or something.
2: Yeah. The, I, I don't know if you got this impression, too, but you you mentioned Wilcher kind of being able to bomb it from the outside he strikes me as a guy that, you know, doesn't lack for confidence with, you know, everybody talking about, there's a lot of conversation around Bryce McGowan's and rightfully so. I mean, Nebraska is putting him forward as the future of the program, but I I think there's a little bit of, I I sense from Wiltshire a little bit of like, okay, like that's great. Like I can, I can play a little bit myself too. Did you kind of pick up on that too from him?
1: Yeah, I'm sure guys aren't going to say this, and this doesn't mean there's bad chemistry by any means. I think it's good that, you know, they, they hear all about this other guy or these other two or three people, and if you're not one of the first names mentioned as a competitor, you're like, all right, let's – you know, I, I'm sure every day you show up to the gym, that drives you um, to prove that, um, you know, you better, you better make space for me. I think he's one of those guys and I think Alonzo Verge Jr. is going to be one of those guys. And, and then there's these interesting sort of wild cards who I don't know what to make of yet. And it's just going to take more time. Like corn McPherson, like nobody really talks about him, but everybody, every player talks about him in interviews because he's loud. He's uh, got sort of a swagger to him. Uh, He is going to get in people's face defensively. That's what Alonzo has been doing well, too, from what we've been told is Alonzo will get in people's chest defensively. So if you're looking for separating points about guys who are doing it on both ends of the floor, you know, keep that in mind. I, I think Verge Jr. is going to be big. I just do. And I think Wiltshire's the guy that people are maybe sleeping on a little.
2: One, one other guy that I was curious about that was there the second time around. Keon Edwards. Um, yeah. Is flying under the radar a little bit which is kind of remarkable considering that he was a top 70 recruit and you know has has been through a d1 program already uh what what was his, your impressions of him
1: yeah he can he can shoot it too when you ask guys who are the top four or five shooters and they give um, you names top top four or five shooters well
0: yeah like i always feel like when you ask someone to list like four of the best shooters they'll give you like six names you ever notice Yes.
1: That? Yeah. It was always the same oh, guys, know? though. It was yeah. the same same group. It was always uh, Wilcher, Kobe Webster, Bryce McGowan, uh, Keon, and and Lat. Um,
0: they don't even know what Tominaga can do yet because he's not there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Who are we talking about? Keon Edwards? Yeah. Yes. I cut you off. No, that's all right. Um, he went to DePaul, and he he seems to have basically what he was telling us is last year was good experience for him and it's sort of a lesson and sort of the college life and all that. But like that, that was sort of just joining something in the middle of it. Like he would, you know, he, he kind of got thrown in the middle of what was going on there. And basically it's a, don't judge him by that. It's like, you know, that's a, what, if you want to look at his numbers or try to make some verdict off of what he was doing last year, um, Last year was sort of like, um, oh, it was almost like he, he didn't have a real season. So um, I think he's a confident guy too, and especially when he talks about shooting it. And uh, the thing they always love is uh, the offense. They love the spacing that the offense gives. And if you're a guy who thinks you can stroke it from behind the arc, uh, you feel like you're going to get a lot of wide open shots in this offense. And so it's just a matter of can guys start to start to knock them down. And they think they can, but we'll see.
0: All right. Any other final thoughts here on the basketball program?
1: Well, the big seven footer just got there like a week or so ago. And uh, pronounce o- his name. Oleg.
0: Yes, his last name?
1: <laughs> Oleg. He's just no, Oleg. Okay. I think I think he just goes by his first name. So likes it.
0: Nene and Pele and yeah. Ronaldo.
1: Yeah, I think he's okay. he's a he's a one name guy. Um, early impressions are good on him, um, from what we were told. So, uh, really moves well for his size. So I don't know. He just got here, so you will see it. Uh, Tominaga is not going to get here until uh, till
2: classes start. I think. I believe it's Koyanitz.
1: Hmm.
2: Koyanitz. <laughs>
0: I think the one time I tried to pronounce it, it came out as cojanet. So
2: I don't think that's accurate.
0: No, I don't either. (laughs) either. But I tried unlike BC.
2: (laughs) Coyanets.
1: I'm going to listen to this podcast over again (laughs) and just keep pronouncing like I'm like I'm learning Spanish or something.
2: (laughs) Coyanets. All right. (laughs) Time to get out of here.
0: All right, well, that'll do it for us here with the Husker 24-7 podcast. We'll be back next week. We're getting dangerously close, though, to the return of the Husker hypecast. Last year, we had a special guest join us for each episode. What do you think, guys? Should we do that again? Yeah. I thought it was good. Why not? All right, so we're, we're going to have to line up some special guests. If there's someone you really want to hear, join us on a podcast. Let us know. Uh, tell us on the message board. DM us tweet at us whatever however you want to get a hold of us let us know we will try to make that happen uh you know i, I restarted friday night lights so i'm gonna just throw that in there maybe this is a year we finally get scott porter on the podcast
1: yeah we need to make another run at him
0: yeah i also realized that brunt always calls him streeter which they did for all of one episode in the show that's true it was in the pilot episode and they never did it again
2: streeter
1: which which star that's kind of a Husker fan before we go would be you think would have the biggest podcast numbers if you got Gabriel Union.
0: Not Yeah. yeah. It's got to be Gabriel Union, right? Yeah,
1: probably. What's, what's Andy Roddick doing these days?
0: If if we've learned nothing else, you get that crossover with the E Hollywood Entertainment crowd, and it just blows up. Matt Damon's uh nephew if, remains the biggest story I've ever written.
1: Yeah, what if we got Matt Damon? What if, we, what if we did a oral history with Matt Damon about that one day he was in Lincoln?
0: That'd be great. I would like to do a Jimmy Kimmel style where, like, for three <laughs> episodes in a row, we apologize that we've run out of time and we've left him in the green room. And yeah. then we finally bring him in. I think that'd be better.
1: Yeah, you're probably right, though. I mean, Matt Damon would probably top yeah, really. Gabrielle, but it would be – he's not an Oscar fan, even though –
2: some slideshows act as though he is
0: brunch you have any answers
2: no i'm just uh, wondering how we can get matt damon on <laughs>
0: i thought you'd go back to the Wilhelm breedenbach well
2: no no i don't think so Cohonets. <laughs>
0: cojones cojones it's not cojones brian
1: you gotta have you gotta have Cohonets in crunch time all
0: right that's <laughs> all right <laughs> we'll be back next week